It's 6am, rise and shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to The Grind. And good Thursday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Thursday edition. Jeff, good morning. Welcome in. Been a been a lot happened since the last time we talked, buddy. Oh yeah, everything's gone. Yeah, a lot's gone, lots <laughs> changed, lots doing. Um yeah, yeah. Um we've had we've had some pretty good shows though. I yeah. mean, I feel like uh had Alon Hirschbrun in here on Monday, man. It like I've still I'm still getting messages about that show, and it's pretty cool. Like Fulton Football, that's awesome. Uh, shared it on Facebook. I saw that. That was really neat. I was like, is this like a scam account? <laughs> you know, you just don't. I mean, I don't assume stuff like that. But it was good that the word got out because it was a great interview, and and really he told some really great stories. I mean, if you didn't get a chance, go back. Uh, whether it's on Facebook or SoundCloud or what have you. Uh, July the sixth. That's the that's the show to show to catch. I mean, today's probably going to be pretty good, but if you want to go back and check one out, <laughs> check out July sixth. But uh, anyway, uh, a couple things that's kind of opened up as since we've talked last. You know, we talked a little bit about some conversation that was going to happen with the TWSAA about what they were going to do with fall football, given the executive order has delayed things till the end of August. Well, yesterday was supposed to be the vote. Like TWSAA Board of Controls got together yesterday. Everybody's watching online. I didn't because I was at work. But uh, I was going to watch online. And they're meeting, and they're not talking about it. And they're meeting, and they're not talking about it. And then right there at the end, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to delay that. We're going to put that on pause. because, And, and the, the reasoning is good. I mean, I think it gives you some optimism that football may be on time is – they they said we're we're discussing the omission with the governor's office uh, of of sports because college and pro sports are not not affiliated with his order, so they're they're trying to push down to see if high school could be a part of that, uh, and, and with some caveats I'm assuming you know no fans et cetera et cetera. So I guess my question to you is 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 does this give you confidence that we play? And then what message does that send to everyone else? So me, my gut, sitting here right now, it doesn't give me confidence. And it's and I think they say that they're delaying it for that, but I think they're delaying it because it's not showing any signs of slowing down. Right. Nothing has changed other than the needles going one direction. And I think... I think you're seeing, and, and you know, you've you mentioned that pro sports and college sports are not included in the order, but we're seeing pro and college sports players don't want to play. You know, one of the things that we're going to talk about is the Ivy League, you know, where they just flat said, "Never mind, we're not doing it." And so they're they're a different animal altogether, though. Th- that's true, but it's still for the same reason. Mm. And so I think looking at it like that, they're wondering, 
should we really even do this? And I think both sides of the, that coin is still open. You know, I think if they would have made a decision, then obviously they've delayed it, right? Yeah. But I, I think they don't want to make a decision, and then the governor's office say, oh, well, that's if you wanted to have fans there. If you don't want to have fans there, then we can do this or we can yeah. do that. So I think there there's still some some fine tuning adjustments to be made. One they want to see how the the curve continues to rise or if it flattens out. Uh, and, and then I think people want to see us get back to school. Uh, they want to see July thirtieth roll around first day of school. We start the first couple of weeks of of August and see what that looks like. So I think it's a positive sign because if it was a flat line yeah, we're delaying this stuff, then then it, there's no Pasco don't collect $200. But this gives us some opportunity to, to you know, to, to make some, ex, uh, I guess, some, um, some, some kind of options available, I guess. Because also yesterday in the press release, it was talking about, like, the NFHS, which is like the national, um, I don't know, foundation of high school sports or something, but what they do is they're, they're a broadcasting company, kind of an affiliate with the TWSAA, and they, they help communication courses and stuff like that across the country, kind of broadcast games for high schools. So they were talking like high schools that weren't associated with that could get associated with that this year at a uh, – I think they were going to give them like donate or, or free, free lease uh, two cameras. So I think, I think they're trending toward like when when all this order got extended, the expectation here in Blount County was there's fans in the stands. Like this thing's gonna roll until they tell us it ain't, right? And I think that 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 kind of has been pumped to brakes a little bit. I, I think they're gonna pop back a little bit on that, but I think the caveat comes out. Okay, okay, we understand, we understand. What if we have no fans and we just beef up the broadcasting opportunities, whether that's TV, whether that's radio, uh, right here on WGAP, right next door, or WKVL for Alcoa. But however you ramp that up, you have exposure, you do your thing, and seasons are played as normal. You have some testing protocol, you have some reaction protocol, and, and you move forward. I, I think all that has to be in place anyway because these kids are walking the halls. These kids are going to be exposed to a lot of people that are exposed to a lot of people. So I, I think that dynamic's got to be there anyway, and I think they're just working through the governor's office. One, uh, like you said, understanding the extent of how this thing's going to grow or is it growing? Is it going to continue to grow? Or um, is it one of those deals to where we're going to tread water lightly, uh, make, some, you know, make some exceptions, and then, uh, and then just move forward? Yeah, it's going to be tough. And no, no fans in the stands, that makes it really hard on revenue. I mean, because a lot of the schools. And a lot of gate money. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Concessions, all that stuff. Yeah, and, I know just I know just growing up, you know, like it was – it there was three concession stands uh, at, at Cock County High School. That's where I went to school. Yeah, I know. And I survived. <laughs> uh, but three concession stand. One was a cheerleader concession stand. One was a band concession stand, and one was an FFA concession stand. So w every football game contributed to that that spectrum, right? Yeah. And so, and not only, and then the gate money, of course, went to the football team or, or to the academics, what whatever. So what I'm getting at is, is all of that's affected. 
You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times uh, the, the band program is funded. Their next year's marching band program is funded by the previous year's concession stand money. Now yeah. there's other things. They have grant money. They have different things. But uh, it, it's an impact. It's an impact that I, I don't know that even if even if coronavirus stopped, you know, this year, like it was quarantined itself to 2020, uh, we'll see effects of this for, for years. I think so, too. But I, I like the, the dynamic. I, I feel like if they would have just come in and go, hey, we're doing option two, this is what we're doing, then it was kind of like a thud. You know, it's, you know what, this is kind of real. You know, the, the delay is real. All this stuff's going on. We just got, you know, with the Ivy League canceling yesterday, if they would have extended out high school football, I think doom and gloom would have set clean in. Uh, I think now there's a touch of hope because, again, they're they're wanting to tread water. I would caution people that the TSSAA has treaded water for a lot of things this year, uh, i.e. the boys' uh, state championship tournament. Uh, they, they knew – uh, the situation was bad enough to cancel well before they did. Is what I'm trying to say. So let's just let's take it as as if we get football, it's victory, and if uh, we don't, then it's in the effort of safety. I, I think that that's how we've got to look at it. But I think they're going to do everything in their power to have some football, some level of football. Uh, I think that's why they have the four options on the table, none of which are no football. Yeah, yeah. It, so let's just see how it plays out. I mean, did they say how long they're going to delay the vote for? No, they didn't. They mm. didn't. I mean, uh, again, uh, I think they understand what the, the governor's office is doing, maybe more than they're willing to, to release. I think as things are kind of rolled out between information given and, uh, and cases and, and county exposure. I know, I know, like I was looking at a state map the other day. Honestly, if we just shut down Davidson and Shelby County, Tennessee, ain't that bad. Yeah. I think those counties together have 23,000 cases. That's two counties. Wow. Now, granted, that's like Nashville area. That's, you know, out in Memphis area. It, the the population's a lot more, probably. The testing is a lot more. Yeah. But, again, the confirmed cases are through the roof. I mean, in retrospect, Blunt County has like, I, well, I, this was like two, three days ago, 294 cases. Yeah. I always ask, when she when she throws that number at me, I always say, I want to know active. because My understanding is we got like 100... I think what was it's that, 118 active cases yeah, or something. Which and I think like 5 days ago it was like 70. Yeah. So I mean you you can shut down the two counties around Nashville but that doesn't mean that it's not growing. I think you got to shut you got to shut a lot of stuff down cuz I think we're our our Yeah, they don't count. They're not in Tennessee. I think our uh I think our proximity to severe counties tough on us. Yes. I'll be honest because that's a that's a main thoroughfare even for me. I mean that's a meeting spot for for when my mom watches my little boys. I mean it's 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 a spot we we frequent because it's a halfway point. So Sevier County in general, and that's just for convenience right there. And that doesn't mention the people who've been you know locked up since March, and they're trying to get out and have some fun. Well, they're going to go to the mountains. They're going to go mm-hmm. to the you know Soaky Mountain Water Park. No pun no no plug intended. <laughs> but uh, you know all of that dynamic you know is, is such that. Uh, I, I think that impacts Blunt County, that impacts Knox County, that impacts a lot of people because you just go over there to have fun, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, this high school tournament's going on in Kodak, this little baseball tournament that they're doing, uh, I think that's that's risk. Uh, but, you know, all the shopping that's going on, et cetera, et cetera. 
I've I've I will say I've ramped up my mask usage over the last couple of weeks. Used to, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, and, and I'll be completely honest. As soon as I left work, like literally, get out the front door about ten feet, mask come down, and and for the rest of the day, it probably don't go up. That's yeah. just me personally. And and well, see, I I'm not one that's gonna ride my truck with a mask on by myself. Well, in the car, I still don't wear it. Yeah, uh, I feel like. If if it comes through the vents in my car and I get the Rona, then we were meant to be. That, Rona was <laughs> we my to be. yeah. Rona was my soulmate. But uh, but what I'm saying is 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 here lately. I just leave after work. You know, I've got one with the ties or whatever. I just leave it kind of dangling. If I go in a store, I throw it up. I mean, it's 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 very little impact to me just because we've been wearing them at work for so long. Yep. That um, the the reward of possibly deterring is a whole lot more than not. So I, I think, you know, and Papa Fulmer and all those guys been been saying it for months now. I think we just we you gotta do what you can do to keep the Rona off of you, uh, off your family, et cetera, et cetera. You can't I don't think I don't think Jeff or Wayne either one's gonna fix East Tennessee. No. But I think what we can do is is the McIntyres and the Kaisers can be fine. Like we'll cover our faces, we'll wash our hands, we'll use sanitizer. Have you seen the new like foot door openers? Yeah, I the, just don't think I'm athletic enough to use them. Well, the problem is, is they're you kind of have to have a door that has enough weight for you to not fall over whenever you pull the door backwards. Some well, and doors, it, and it can't be so heavy that you're like you literally can't straining, straining a hammy. So one of the issues I have with those things is that they're not balanced very well. They're just on the end, and so you put your foot on it and kind of hope that the door goes with it and. I mean, I want to use them because I get what they're there for. But at the same time, all doors were not created equal. (laughs) And they were put on them as they were created equal. Right. And I think that's a problem. I will say, I just, you know, and here's a little plug of of proper door opening technique. Uh, Wash your hands. And then the paper towel that you use to wash your hands, like, or dry your hands, just use that to open it. Put your foot in front of it and throw that away. So one of the things I've run into with them for foot openers. Foot openers? Yeah, is that I'm using my foot, and it's not a very quick process because I'm trying. And somebody comes in not using their foot, and they blast through the door. Because everybody now backs in to push doors. Yes. Like they don't want to touch it with their hands. Yeah. So they don't there's not a foot push thing on the other side. So of course they're either using their body or they're using their hands and they're pushing a lot faster than I can pull collision. We just got, we got to work on, I don't know what workout gets that muscle right, but we got to work on that. I think you just put a glass door in, you know, that way, you know, someone's on the other side with a, with a freezer, with the <laughs> freezer flappies, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I mean, that works. That's yep. fine. Totally good. Yeah. We could even do the like seventies beads or whatever. However it Ooh, needs to work. Yeah. Ring, ring, ring. The mood beads. Oh yeah. Anyway, that's why we don't run the bathroom no. decisions where we work. But anyway, nonetheless, foot openers are weird. If you're, if you're interested in them, you better do some leg workouts before you get in there. <laughs> and, and then if you're not. Well then, good. Use the napkin thing, but uh, you, you know, high school is going to have to make a decision. I think, and I think really, it's not going to take long once we get back to school, July the thirtieth. Because yesterday, uh, Jackson and Neilan, they're they're ready to start school. That we had to give them the decision: Are we going to do the online option, or are we going to do the the in person? And quite frankly, we're going to do the in person. Honestly, we don't we don't have that option to to really 
to dictate that other way. Uh, and, and the thing is, is there's some real opportunity should there be an exposure or whatever in his school that he's going to have to come home. So yeah. I think there's some contingencies built into their system. You know, exposure means this and this quarantine length and this test protocol, da-da-da-da-da. And I think that's going to follow right into sports. Like, as as this comes out, if the first week it – and I'm just going to use Maryville because that's who, who I cover. If Maryville has five cases the first week of school, that's going to change things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If they go two or three weeks and don't have one, that changes things. The clearance of what we see realistically, because I think – I think if anything the coronavirus has shown us is, one, it's unpredictable. Uh, we did a lot of things that, that, that kind of flattened the curve, as the, the buzzword was early, but, but we still have that dynamic of it mutating, it changing, the exposure, the heat, all the different fixtures, and we've just got to put those things to work. Yeah. Right, right now, kids are at home. Uh, schools aren't open. Teachers aren't in, in school. Uh, we just gotta, we just gotta put that to work. And I think as us as parents, us as people, uh, we just gotta understand that that now instead of kids going to the store with you and coming home and possibly infecting the house, you're gonna take them to the store. You're gonna send them to school, and possibly infect a school. Yeah. And I think that dynamics just it just gotta be realized. It's not a scare tactic. It's not. It's not anything else. It's just hey, you know, it's it's fun. It's a, it's like a seven dollar mask. Uh, to to possibly prevent some big big things. So anyway, anyway, as the as the TWSAA delays, the Ivy League did not uh, talk a little bit about that, Jeff. The Ivy League, uh, which they kind of marched to their own drum in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, they kind of started this whole football thing, but it has since passed them a little bit. Uh, but they yesterday decided they will not have any sports until January one, twenty twenty one, at the very earliest. That impacts. Uh, again, football, uh, any kind of fall soccer, uh, even early game basketball, uh, any kind of workouts for, for baseball, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is this a, you know, I talked a little bit yesterday. I don't know that, that the, the cart and the horse are connected in this. I don't think them doing it really dictates the NCAA doing anything with the, the Division One level or the Power 5 level. I think this is a non-revenue side of the Ivy League. That they don't have to, they don't have to have that risk. They don't have to lean on football revenues. So therefore, uh, they they do the utmost cautious thing and cancel this thing out. Yeah i i think I think this is going to send a message to maybe the schools that don't rely as much on football, which and I don't know what that looks like. I'm, I'd say that's probably going to be like. A bunch of FCS and stuff like that. See, the problem is a lot of problems. A lot of FCS go play FBS for money. Yeah, and the, and there's that aspect of it, but which I think that's in jeopardy of do, going away anyway. Do they have the ability? Like some of these bigger schools, I'd say that they're going to have the ability to pay for testing and things like that. They mm. have the revenue. They've got the money either built up or whatever with where the, they can deal with it. With the recruiting dead period, a lot of these big schools just quite frankly could take a cut out of their recruiting budget yeah. and be fine. See, in some of these FCS schools, I don't think they can. No. And so, yeah, we could get a million dollars to go play one of these bigger schools, but what are we going to have to do to be on the same level with them? How much testing do we have to do? How much quarantining do we have to do? How much money do we have to put out just to get a million dollars? Here, here's the Here's the problem. 
Here's the problem. And and it and it's far more reaching than just football. And and there was an article and I, I wish I had it pulled up, but was talking about the non revenue sports you know, kind of fighting for some survival. Honestly, football, baseball, basketball, based on where you're at and what your your uh, I mean what your your kind of prowess is. Some schools are, are gonna they're they're gonna cut other areas to keep football. They're gonna cut other areas to maintain basketball. I mean, you look at the Gonzagas of the world. I don't think they're gonna fight to keep football. No, but they're gonna beat the doors down to keep basketball. Yes, uh, and, and you know what? That's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt lacrosse. That's gonna hurt you know soccer. That's gonna hurt you, you know whatever. I, I mean, I'm trying to throw just just random things out there like fencing and chess and any kind of intramural kind of sport that's that's funded at a certain level, whether it's by sponsors or what have you. The football guys, the basketball guys are going over and going, hey, I know you sponsor this, but we're in trouble over here. We, we can't have any fans in the stands. And and these lower sports that have made these college campuses so diverse and made them so, I guess, multi – I don't know what you would say, but it makes it really like a a really interesting place to be because everything's going on, right? Yeah. And it's, it's going to kind of trim that down a lot based on just high-revenue sports and the need to keep them because – Quite frankly, I mean, it's like drinking caffeine. College campuses have become dependent on revenue sports, that's, and how and that dynamic true. that dynamic is going to be one that's it, there's no there's no this is how coronavirus was attacked in in 1937. No, it's it's 2020. Write the book. Blank pages are coming. Yeah i I look at it as I think that they are for them they're taking this as a calculated risk. Mm. They're looking at it like we we feel like the risk of not being able to have school outweighs having sports. Well, and I think the Ivy League has that to do because you – what's his name? What's the big-bearded uh, Harvard guy that's in the league? Nah. What's his name? He played for the Dolphins. He played for the Bills. Fitzpatrick. Ryan, oh, Ryan, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic. He is, yeah, he is the asterisk. He is one of the few uh, Ivy League guys that make it in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at FBS teams or, or Division One, Power Five, whatever you want to call it, the percentage of people on teams that are attempting to go to the NFL is very high. You go to the Ivy League, you're looking across the offensive line and you're like, you know, doctor, 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 lawyer, doctor, 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 lawyer, 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 lawyer. You know what I'm saying? And that's what they're going to do. Honestly, I've heard of people, like, retiring from football because, one, they're just – we wanted to open our own practice. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That – so the percentage of what are you – what are you taking away from your student athlete? In the Ivy League, that's a lot less because they, they are – I don't want to say doing better things. I just want to say they're doing different things, and that doesn't necessarily align so much with football. Also, the Ivy League said they would help if students wanted to to kind of move and transfer and, and get to a place that's going to play football or has an opportunity now to play football. Um, then they would help them with that. So I think they've, Do you they've, think the NCAA would cooperate with that? Well, I think it's an SMU situation. Now, uh, uncharted territory, I, I would like to think so. But I think when somebody shuts down a program that you signed up to have football mm-hmm. your four years while you were there, that's a that's a that's kind of a hardship, you know, uh, un, uncharted territories type, type situation to where 
I don't know. They would almost have to really dictate why they wouldn't approve that, because it's not. It's not like it's not like the kid just didn't like the coach, mm-hmm. or you know whatever couldn't make it in in class. This was a situation to where um, they just quit having the sport I went there for. Now they're going to honor the scholarship. I thought that was cool. The that I, is really cool. But now, granted, I don't know how much scholarship money is given, so uh, uh, we'll. we'll you know, let that. But I think private schools like uh, Ivy League they don't they don't really have to tell you what they give away. So, but anyway, Ivy League has canceled their their fall season in all sports, but football, of course, being the headliner. But how that affects Division One, how that affects power affects not defects, uh, how that affects Power Five, we'll we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's an impact because it's a it's a line in the sand. Somebody has done it now. And so I think that will uh, that will weigh heavy if things go good because it'll be like look they over they overcompensated or if it goes bad it's like well you could have followed suit with the Ivy League so it's maybe a lose lose for the NCAA but that's what we like to talk about but hey we're gonna take a break listen to these fine sponsors you're listening to the Thursday edition of the grind we'll be right back you don't want to miss it. Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Marable High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at wkvl.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, 
Visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Got golf? iguanifarmsgolf.com 970-7132 Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything the Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out on a Thursday edition. Jeff, we've uh, we've Rona talked for the first about 25 minutes. That's what we're going to call it, Rona talk. I like it. Rona talk. Uh, it's not going to be on a t-shirt, but we can say it. Uh, but after that, we're going to kind of bounce out of that. We're going to talk about a Rona-shortened MLB season, but the schedules came out just a few days ago. Talked about it a little bit earlier in the week, but wanted to get your take on on kind of after I've started dissecting some of this stuff, I'm like, some teams like maybe won the lottery because in a 60-game push, you can go real hard at it, and, and they can win a lot of games because they're in a, in a kind of a loose division. And then their regional affiliate, you know, because AL East is playing NL East, uh, NL Central, AL Central, and so on and so forth. Some people got the draw of a century, and some people got murderer's row. Yeah. I mean, you talk about that AL East, NL East. That's not where I want to be. No. I mean, you're staring down the barrel of probably one of the better raised teams in recent history. Uh, the Red Sox, even though they've, they've kind of had to shuffle the deck based on the, the Houston Astros saga, whatever happened there, they've still got some some pretty hefty bats in play. Yeah, boom. yeah, with no fans. I mean, you're going to hear that trash can. <laughs> but anyway uh, – and then, then who they're playing in the NL East? If I'm not mistaken, the Nationals, the Phillies. I mean, you you've got a 
you've got a stud lineup wherever you're going to go. Now, granted, for 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 the Yankees, I mean, I think they're equipped. I mean, because they also get to play the Orioles and they also get to play a couple other teams. But there's some teams that they look at it and they're like, "You mean I don't get to play the White Sox? You mean I don't get to play X team that's that's really bad? I mean, like your Pirates. I mean, look at them. They've got to play the Brewers. They've got to play a lot of different teams that are just right now just studs. Yeah, it." Our our biggest challenge divisionally, even if it was a regular season, you're playing those guys. Yes. But it's it's the 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 little the, cr- counterpart the, that's kidding me. The problem for the Pirates is, yeah, we would play these guys normally, but we're going to play them a lot more, and then essentially you're going to be graded against it because that's going to be how you get in the playoffs. So I mean, we're playing the Cardinals, the Brewers. And then we, you know, we've got the Cubs, who we we normally play the Cubs pretty tough. And then there's the Twins. Um, well, that that's that's an AL team. So I don't. I think our wins are going to come from the interleague play because you know we're playing the Twins and we've got the Tigers and we have the White Sox. But then when we go back into our divisional play and we're going back against you know the Reds and the Cardinals and we're we're playing these teams that we historically don't play them very well. I will say though you, you may have the better draw as far as the cross divisional. Yes. Because who you play in the AL, you play the Royals, the Indians, the Tigers, the White Sox and the Twins. The Twins are tough. Other than that, I'm cool with it. Like yeah. I would want that that cross divisional. So, but here's the problem. Does the cross divisional have anything to do with my playoff layout? Like if I win every single one of my cross divisional games and lose every single one of my divisional games, I can't imagine that that's going to put me very high in the playoff bracket. For I, I would like to think that puts you high in the wild card bracket, right? But as far as so. but then when I play the wild card, I'm going to be playing probably somebody in my division who's then going to beat my eyeballs in. I'm just saying, Jeff, you can't you can't pick and choose. Just beat people. Just win, baby. They can't do that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's Al Davis one hundred one. Well, I win, say baby. that. With a shortened season, they may have something to shoot for. Normally, the Pirates are really good either before the All-Star break or after the All-Star break. And so, for this season to only be 60 games, they might be able to come out and just play tough. I think this is honestly a, a – everybody says, oh, well, this is really going to play out well for the Yankees or it's really going to play out well for the Dodgers. They were going to be good no matter how many games you play. Yes. Okay? Who this is going to play out good for, in my opinion, are guys like the Nationals. Who still have a lot of pieces, but they weren't re- like they came into that thing as like a, a last place seed, a wild card team, and, and really squeaked into the, the World Series. Let's be honest; they're the f- defending champ, but they didn't wow people. The the one sixty two that got them to the playoffs, I think it, it bodes well for them. I think it looks good for for teams like the uh, like the Phillies that have a good little run every now and again, get hot at a certain time and then cool well off. I think it's good for teams like the Twins. I mean, there was times last year in baseball where you're like, I don't want to play the Twins. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, how long has it been since you said that? I mean, back in the 90s. I mean, they, there was some good years in the 90s. But what I'm saying is is those teams that could have short burst, that have the, the equipment and have the, the tools to, to be really good for 30, 40 games, I mean, this is, this is tailor-cut. But now it's going, to be, it's going to be one of those deals, can you make the push to the playoffs? But I think if you position yourself well – you know what I'm saying? Like you are the division winner, and you get to play that wild card team. 
then then different things happen. So I, I think the asterisk is going to be all over this season. I know a lot of people are like, well, it's you're still playing your division, you're still doing this, you're still it's still different. But I don't right. know that it won't be. I'm I'm intrigued at the utmost because I'm a baseball enthusiast and I want to become a true big time baseball fan. And what I mean by that is is with it sixty games, it's it just smells of football. It smells of everything matters college baseball level where series matter like you can lose on friday and if you win saturday and sunday we're, we're golden right like it's not so oh we lost 10 games in a row it's fine it's june yeah you know what i'm saying i i, I hated that dynamic of baseball so what this has done for me is it's tuned me in i, I know the Braves schedule and the yankees schedule and i'm i'm excited i'm excited about the the yankees nationals opening day game Seven o'clock. I'm glad they got the earlier one, and uh, and and here we go because the Yankees are healthy. Like the only person that's not is Tanaka because he took one to the noggin the other day. Did you see that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I did see that. Oh. I heard the sound. Oh yeah. Well, and that's another thing. Yeah, with no fans, no. Which that was an inner squad deal, but Stanton ain't no joke. Like he's sending that thing back. It went in at 95. It left at 112, and it hit him square in the side of the noggin. And I was just like, oh, no. But but you look at it. Stanton's healthy. Judge is healthy. Uh, what's his name? So what you're saying is they're still going to be able to hit, but their pitching is still going to be suspect. Well, it's just relief. Well, no, he's he's only scared of the guy that's on his team. He won't hit at him. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he, he and he doesn't have to hit. So, I mean, it's a, it's a win-win. That's a good point. Ever. Ever. All season. And I think that will never come back. That's my opinion on that one. But I, I I'm think, okay with that. You know, it was one of those things. I was just waiting for it to happen anyways. I think they were too. I think it's a win-win though. I mean, honestly, the more I think about it, yeah, did I like the strategy? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Did we like the strategy that, that came with a pitcher? Do you pull him before or after he hits? Do you, do you, how do you play him? Do you, do you pitch the guy that hits better against certain teams because you know they're going to be able to score, da-da-da? I like that dynamic, but you know how much longer pitchers and, and designated hitters are going to be able to play baseball now? Oh, yeah. Like, it's going to extend careers for, for both places, the designated hitter guys well, and the and the and Tony the Gwynn would probably still be playing. Hey, just just to DH. He'd come out of retirement. I mean, that's all he did there at the end. I mean, and he was good at it. All he had to do was swing that bat and get on base. Give me a runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I touched first. But anyway, uh, you know, and, and there's some truth to that. I mean, you you look at David Ortiz. He, he was an AL guy. If he was in the NL, he would have lost probably five years of his career. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. But uh, I'm excited for what baseball looks like. Again, 60 games. I just wanted to talk to you about <laughs> – it was that the best way to go, where it was AL, you know, AL East, NL East. I mean, I think regionally it it was it made the most sense because you limited travel, you you kept things close, and I think from a health perspective, it was the absolute best decision. But I think you look at the balance of some of these uh, these counterparts, and it's I just be honest with you, the only word that comes to mind is comical. Uh, because you look at the AL West, NL West. So the AL West is the Mariners, Athletics, Rangers, Astros, and Angels. So an Astros basically deal to lose. Now, in that division, be quite honest with you, you know who I'm pulling for? The trash can? 
Well, I mean, <laughs> no, he's out of there. He's not. He, he's not eligible. He's got to be six foot away from the nearest manager. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but, no, I'm going with uh, Mike Trout and the Angels. Okay, I like him. I, I like Mike Trout. I think he just continues to be that that kind of quiet guy that's that's okay with being. Uh, which he's the highest player in baseball, highest paid player in baseball. So, I mean, he does have a little something cushy to sit on. But then the NL West that they've got to go against is the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Padres, and Giants. Can we fast forward and just make it the Astros and the Dodgers? I think we should. I mean, I really think like it's not even just make be it easier. It, 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 I want the Angels to do well. I'd like to see the A's have some semblance of good. Uh, but but when you look at it. The Padres have their their couple weeks, and maybe that'll work out this year. The Diamondbacks have been rough for some time. I mean, they're just good enough to beat the people they don't need to beat. Mm -hmm. I.e., ask the Braves. You know, they they come up yep. there and mess some things up. The Giants have been rough for for a while. Uh, they they kind of step up there, and then they get rid of all their pitching and have to rebuild for a few years, and then get pitching and then get rid of it. It's just the dynamic that they have. But uh, it's just. Uh, it's weird. Like I'm excited about it, but also intrigued. Of it, this very conversation could be so mute here in a few weeks because you've got you've got these. You know, let's let's look at another team. Who's another? You got your Pirates. Let's just use them. Well, they've stared down the barrel of 162 and been hard to struggle because they've been they've been stretching all that talent and all that anything over 162. Well, you just got to stretch it across 60 this year. You know, go for bear. You get to carry a little heavier roster at the beginning pull up some of those triple a guys that's not seeing the field right now because minor leagues shut down and and let's see what happens yeah and, and from that side of it it does kind of make me a little excited for their season because i feel like this may be an opportunity for them to just, just power through or you know my, just, or as my little boy would say an opportunity opportunity he's got an opportunity to be really good but you know what we're going to have to watch it. July 23rd, 24th is opening day, and it's going to shotgun all the way to September 27th. That's when the regular season comes to an end. Uh, 60 games in, I believe, 66 days. Yeah, so much. Uh, pretty stoked about the sports everyday moment. And you know what? It ain't that far away. I mean, we're at the 9th of July right now, so a couple weeks. And it's go time. So we'll uh, we'll be excited about that. But we're going to take our last break of the day and listen to these great sponsors when we come back 58 days till it's football time in Tennessee. Todd Kelly Sr. and much, much more. We'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to The Grind. We'll be right back. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Serious work in the heat requires serious fans and air conditioners to keep you cool. And Rule King has a complete cooling collection at the lowest prices every day. And now, the 30-inch pedestal shop fan had its price busted. 
With three-speed settings and a reliable all-metal construction, the 30-inch shop fan is now just $119.99. You can buy online at RuleKing.com and we'll bring it to you when you arrive at your neighborhood Rule King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In response to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak, and in what the Blunt Partnership sees is the best interest of its visitors, employees, and community. Taste of Blunt, slated for September 10th in Maryville. The Townsend Fall Festival, scheduled for September 25th and 26th at the Townsend Visitor Center. And the Best of Blunt Awards, booked in October, are canceled. The events will not be rescheduled in 2020. These fall events are cherished productions that the community looks forward to annually. But the current environment is not conducive to holding large events where physical distancing is difficult. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blount County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. 
This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Thursday edition. Jeff, it's uh, 58 days until it's football time in Tennessee, and a lot of, of great Vols have worn the number 58. And, and probably, you know, everybody recently has heard of Todd Kelly Jr., a uh, guy out, you know, he played locally here in Knoxville and then had to end his career shortened. Uh, due to injury, was a really splash early player, and then injury just took it away from him. But he is he is remembered and revered uh, both for for his play on the field, but also his lineage that was Todd Kelly Senior uh, played played defensive end ninety to ninety two for the Vols number fifty eight, a nineteen ninety two All SEC first team guy on the defensive end. He was a force in the early nineties, and he was an NFL first round draft pick by the San Francisco 49ers in 1993. Also played for the NFL's uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Atlanta Falcons. He racked up 21 tackles for loss, 11 sacks as a senior in 1992, and finished with 36.5 career tackles for loss, six most in UT history at the time, and his 22.5 sacks is fourth most in, uh, in Tennessee history at the time he left. Since Derek Barnett's kind of put some uh, put some damage on that list but uh, uh Todd Kelly senior was one of those guys that it was cool to see him come back it was kind of James Berry ish you know when when Eric Berry and then his twins came back uh, it was all it was like legacy good you know it's returned to the home campus right and, and when Todd Kelly played in the in the early 90s you know he played with some really good guys some uh, you know he played with Heath Schuler and et cetera, et cetera. And then had an opportunity to go to the pros well Kind of came back to Knoxville, started a family, and all of a sudden Todd Kelly Jr. is playing big-time football locally in Knoxville. And he's, he's, he's recruited heavily by a lot of different schools and probably one of the bigger gets for Butch Jones uh, was Todd Kelly Jr. And, and when he uh, kind of lived up to the hype there early in his career, it was just a, it was a fulfilling moment for, I would assume, the Kelly family, but also for UT alumni because it, it's one of those deals when you see the second tier come in and they're good too. Like it's just that's just a good that's a good deal. I mean it's 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 just good stock. You know what I'm saying? It's it's one that you you really like to see. And then and of course injury kind of plagued that career. But uh, he's still he's still a really good citizen in, in Knoxville. He goes around does some charity work. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Todd Kelly Senior paved that that path for uh, for that expectation and, and to get him back to Tennessee. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the Colquitts. You know that that's yeah. just they. They all do it well, yeah, you know. Right, and, and you know it, it's just cool because Tennessee's to a point like a lot of schools, like younger schools. You don't you don't see those legacy players a lot because because mm-hmm. I mean like you're not going to see probably for the next fifteen twenty years you won't see a lot of UCF legacy guys. Probably not. Well, you might, or at least they'll claim to be. Uh, that's they'll how, claim that's, it. That's how that works. <laughs> but uh, anyway, number fifty eight. Why wore it? Marlon Walls, who's two thousand nine to two thousand twelve defensive line he said when I got to Tennessee and this is funny coach Ed Orgeron gave me number 58 for a reason 
I've never won 58 before, but I did my research and learned that great players like Todd Kelly, Darwin Walker, also wore number 58. It was an honor to wear 58. Todd Kelly and I have gotten really close because of it. And besides 92, uh, 58 would be the best number for a defensive lineman for me at the University of Tennessee. It's been a blessing to wear the 5 and the 8, and I'm honored to wear it and take pride every time I put it on. Now, that's detail. Like yeah. That's that's good deal right there. And when you look at who all's worn uh, the number 58, it's pretty fun for Tennessee. William Luttrell uh, started it in 1938 through 40. Robert Corey hit it in 41. Patrick Buddy Pike wore it 44 through 46. Roy Smith, 47 through 50. Chuck Bender, 1951 on a national championship team. John McWilliams, 52 and 53. Joe Rowe. Wore it in 55 through 57. That's a smooth name right there, Joe Rowe. And then Tom Husband wore it 59 and 60. Art O'Neill, 62 and 3. Vin Mays, 1964. Jimmy Hahn, 1965 through 68. Ray Nettles, uh, 69 through 71. He played for uh, for Coach Hersburn, uh at linebacker right there. So uh, Mike Rotella, uh, 1972. Bobby Kilzer, uh, 73 and 4. Charlton Webb. 1975, Donnie Stowers, 76, D. Revere, 77 and 8, Steve Knight, 81 through 83, Bob Jenkins, 84 through 86, Tim Stafford, 87, Todd Kelly, 89 through 92, Brandon Ashley, 1994, Andrew Large, 96, Darwin Walker, 97 through 99, Rashad Moore, 2000 through 2002, James Turner, 05 and 6, Donald Langley, 07 and 08, and Marlon Walls, 2009 through 2012. Your current ball to wear number 58 is Jameer Johnson. He's a 6'5", 286-pound redshirt junior, uh, or redshirt senior, I'm sorry, out of Philadelphia, PA, by way of Arizona Western Community College. So uh, a guy that's that has seen the field a lot for the Vols in, in kind of relief roles, but he's in that rotation, and he's a guy that, that you don't see a lot of letdown. Uh, when he comes in the into no, that's the game. good. That's good to not have fall off. Yeah, you got to have it in the Southeastern Conference. There's not a lot of room for it. Nope, not a ton of room. Uh, if you look at all-time 58s, uh, there's there's a couple names that's going to come. Uh, some some you know small small-time guys. I mean, not not just, really just, you know uh, big deal. Uh, guys like Jack Lambert. Uh, the only thing that's limited is how many teeth he he left with, yes. is because he he was uh, one of those guys that played all out and and was interested in. They uh, talk about linebacker play with Coach Hersburn, but uh, the explosion, the impact, uh, Jack Lambert was about it. He he put it to it, and you know he said, "I knew what I wanted to do, and playing in the National Football League was it." So I really concentrated. I was all football, twenty four hours a day. He played 11 seasons in the NFL, enshrined in Canton in, in the class of 1990. But out of Kent State, 6'4", 220 pounds, John Harold Lambert was a second-round draft pick in 1974. He was a prototypical middle linebacker. It was intense, intelligent, fast, quick, and durable. Noted for vicious tackling, grant, great range, superior pass defense. He was a two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, all-pro, eight times, nine straight Pro Bowls. Six AFC title games, four Super Bowls, had 28 interceptions, 17 fumble recoveries out of Man Mantua, Ohio. Jack Lambert. He is a beast. I would say so. I mean, that's 6'4", 220 is not small either. That's a big dude. That is a big dude. Especially to play linebacker. 
I don't yeah. know that I would call that prototypical. No. That sounds like they took an end and moved it to middle linebacker. Yeah. I was going to say, like, the 220 is probably prototypical. 6'4", maybe not so mm. much. Maybe not so much, but 11 seasons and surely left his mark. He's part of that those great defenses that were interested in inflicting pain, and he played a huge part in that. You look at a couple other big 58s that are in Canton, uh, it looks like this. There's uh, Derek Thomas. I mean, Derek Thomas is one that you look – at what he was able to do in really a short amount of time, what he could have done over a long career could have been a lot different. Uh, but you look at Derek Thomas, he said, to me, a sack could be described as a play uh, with a plot. Uh, you have ups and downs, and then all of a sudden, it's drawn to a conclusion. Everybody is in suspense. It's building, 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 and boom, you have a hero. And I was like, wow, he's a poet and didn't know. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> But Derek Thomas, man, where he came from and what he was able to do. Class enshrined in 2009 after 11 seasons. Uh, posthumous uh, Hall of Famer uh, out of Alabama, 6'3", 243. Uh, fourth player overall drafted in the 89 draft. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Led the NFL with team record 20 sacks, including an NFL record seven sacks in one game. Uh, named in nine Pro Bowls. Accumulated most sacks in NFL during the 90s. Uh, recorded 126 and a half career sacks, all NFL three times, all F AFC seven times. Uh, he was born in Miami, Florida in 67 and, and in a car accident passed away in 2000 at the age of 33. Mm. Just what, what could have been. Because, again, he, he already dominated one decade and was well on his way uh, to getting in and doing some more things in the 2000s. That's crazy. But Derek Thomas, uh, a great player when he played – and uh, and again, just a really good story. If you uh, if you haven't watched, uh, I think it's Who Is Derek Thomas. It's another one of those thirty for thirties SEC story. Uh, it's a watch because uh, just the way he came through Alabama and what what he was able to do there. And and really, uh, this is a cat that uh, Reggie White uh, had the record for a long time for sacks at Tennessee in the thirties. I think thirty one, thirty two. Uh, this guy had fifty two. Oof. Yeah, yeah, he wow. was a beast. He was a monster. But, you know, it, it's great number 58, and that's how many days it is until it's football time in Tennessee. But but also, uh, Jeff, we, we talk about years. 1958 uh, was the year. And what happened in football? Uh, well, it looks like we had just began uh, some NFL championship games. December 28th saw the Baltimore Colts beat the New York Giants in overtime 23-17. to The game is later called... The greatest game ever played. Johnny U takes the Colts to victory. So that happened in 1958. If you look at at um, baseball, the Brooklyn Dodgers catcher Roy Cam Campanelli suffers a broken neck in an early morning auto accident. His spinal column uh, nearly severed and ends what would have been a Hall of Fame career. Just a great, uh, great player there. But that comes to an end in 1958. The World Series saw the Yankees. Defeat the Milwaukee Braves four games to three. The series MVP was Bob Turley uh, of the Yankees. And then if you look at it, uh, Commissioner Ford Frick announced that players and coaches, rather than the fans, will vote for all-star teams. Hmm. So, again, Ford Frick, he's, uh, he was also part of that uh, those later, that 1961 season with, with Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, kind of that dynamic. He was a big Babe Ruth fan and did not want – uh, that record to be broken because they played more games and because they did different things. The Babe still needs to hold the record. Ford Frick was kind of uh, a purist. Guess, well, whatever you call it. He was a Babe Ruthist, whatever you want to be. 
But uh, in basketball, NCAA championship came from the state of Kentucky, 84-72. They defeated Seattle to claim an NCAA championship, and the St. Louis Hawks won four games to two over the Boston Celtics. Uh, that was the last time the Celtics would lose for about nine years. So, <laughs> wow. Anyway, that was 1958, but we've run out of time. Don't miss Top of the Hour, SB Nation. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on.